As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I'm Josh Giddy, and I'm down to dunk. Hey, this is Kenny Hustle, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to dunk. This is Poku, and I'm down to dunk. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cracklin' Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these. I'm going to share with my team, but I'm a hog most of them. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. With me today, special guest, John Hollinger from The Athletic. John, what's up? How's it going? Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's going great. Uh, Brought you on to discuss the trade deadline. You've been doing these pieces on The Athletic with a lot of the writers, and I thought we could do a podcast version of this for the Thunder. And so I just Mm -hmm. wanted to get your 10,000-foot view of your thoughts on the Thunder rebuild so far. Uh, So they've succeeded in the... Um, in the asset collection phase, right? Sure. <laughs> like clearly, right? They've they've got all these picks, and they're probably going to have more picks in a couple weeks here, and so that that's always the first part. Now, the second part, the more difficult part, is doing something with those picks and really getting it right. So, encouraging the Josh Giddy pick certainly which is the the first step in that right yep uh so now you have Giddy and Shea as like real long-term building blocks um and then you know beyond that they have all these picks and the interesting part is at some point do they put a couple of those picks in play to try to accelerate the timeline a little more quickly um you know, on on this uh, on this rebuild, if if a good young player became available, cough Ben Simmons, cough um, <laughs> for example. What do you think about the Ben Simmons to Oklahoma City? Uh, you know, it's interesting because they are so far below this year's cap yeah. that they could do some stuff that other teams can't do yeah. in terms of accommodating Philadelphia or uh, or in terms of maybe not sending not sending as much back as other teams would have to. So it gets, it gets pretty interesting 
that way. Uh, I actually wonder if they could do something like that at the draft once they know what number their pick is. Yeah. Um, if Simmons is still there, I think that's probably more likely than something happening during the course of the season. Uh, to be honest, I, I think they'll probably use this trade deadline to just pick up draft picks. But the weird thing is like they could still be well under the cap on draft day. Yeah. So that they could take Simmons into cap space and then their cap number goes up because Shea's max extension hits, yep. you know, after July 1st, but they could do something on draft night uh, with cap space, which you, which very rarely is the case because usually by, by the end of the season, everyone has used up all their cap space and then some. Yeah. So what would, what would the trade even look like? in your mind like okc's draft pick and some of the other draft picks they have mm-hmm. basically for simmons and there might have to be depending on what okc does you know in these next two weeks to add salary there probably has to be some you know like Derek favors or something there probably has to be some outgoing salary sure. but it doesn't have to be anywhere near a match you know because they yeah. could still be like 20 million under the cap or something in june yeah so um now, now, obviously, that would be a little expensive for them because they'd have to. Uh, they still would have used that cap space basically because they they have to pay the players the difference. Yeah. But you know, if they're not there at the end of the season, but if they're not the cap floor, excuse me, at the end of the season, uh, which is lower than the cap number, we're getting into some real arcana here. But, <laughs> um, but anyway, I, I think it's an interesting thing to watch out for if Simmons does not get traded. Yeah. I'd be a little shocked if they did that. They still seem to want to build slowly, uh, but eventually they are going to use these picks to acquire somebody. Like that's going yeah. to happen. They have too many of them to not do that eventually. They literally, they literally can't use all the picks. Yeah. Um, you know, and we've seen like it's a situation Boston got into where they accumulated all these draft picks, and a lot of them weren't really great picks, as it mm-hmm. turned out. Um, and so they. And they kept just using the picks and using the picks, and the roster got so crowded, it was like they couldn't they couldn't sign anybody because they just had all these you know randoms that they had picked who weren't really good players. I mean, it helps if you hit on the picks too, obviously. But um, and uh, I think we're seeing that situation a little in Memphis now, where they really have to make some hard choices because they've accumulated so many good young players in such a short time period. So. I think we already saw that with OKC last year. I mean, the reason you trade 36 and 34 for 32 and just say, what the hell, is because you have so many other picks that mm-hmm. it just doesn't hurt you to trade up. We saw them trade up for Poku. I think we're going to see – we saw them trade up uh, – was Giddy a trade up? I'm trying to remember. He was we're not seeing, a no. trade up, but they did trade mm-hmm. – well, they, they actually traded 16 for two more picks, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. I, I would have liked to see them take Shangun there, but uh, – sure. At any rate, the uh, yeah, I, I think we're going to see them trade up basically in every single draft from from here through 28. Yeah. So let's just take a look at the current roster. You obviously have like your three guys that you know are NBA guys and Shea and Giddy and Dort. And then you kind of have yeah. this mix of guys like Trey Mann and Poku and Baisley and Robinson Earl and Wiggins. Give me like a, a rough like ranking or at least – Tell me of any of these guys, like who do you who do you like the most? All right, well, the best to win a game right now, the best player is Mike Muscala, who weirdly <laughs> they like hardly ever play, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's shooting the ball really well, and uh, I don't know what's what's going to happen with him. I mean, like he's, he's going to stay. 
He's on the last year of his deal. Yeah. If he got a, if he, what if he like got a buyout to rejoin uh, Mike Budenholzer and and you know win a championship? He he is one of those crazy guys that loves it here. I mean, he has okay. he's got a girlfriend here. He loves being here. He talked about <laughs> I've talked to him about it before. He talks about how he loves the nightlife and he loves the vibes around OKC. He wants to stop stay. it. I'm dead serious. And it is weird to me as a lifelong OKC guy. It doesn't make any sense to me, but he wants to stay. Okay. So, so I, th- okay. I, th- I think that he will, I think that he will be here. He's also, I think that he's kind of one of the like organizational guys that they'll keep kind of like they kept Nick Collison through the yeah. last rebuild. I think they want to keep, you know, one or two of these guys through the duration mm-hmm. that they feel like fit yeah. the culture. Yeah. Uh, and then the other guy I would put in that category is Kenny Hustle. Yeah. Um, like he's he's not a starter, but he's a good NBA role player who could like help a good team. Um, he's still signed for another year, I think. Yep. Uh, he's on a great contract. I suspect they'll keep him through this trade deadline. He's already said he doesn't want to go anywhere. Yep. Um, so, you know, could something happen with him, you know, in the offseason or next year, maybe? Sure, but I think he probably stays around. Now, and then you get into these younger players, um, and, you know, they're putting these guys out there, they're giving them some run, and, it, you know, it's it's not great right now, for being honest. Right. But, the you know, we, we're at least seeing some signs, I guess. You know, I, I, can, I could say on a positive note, like – Trey Mann has definitely started to play a little better. I think the last couple of weeks, sure. um, Aaron Wiggins has come on a little bit. I don't, I don't think his ceiling is like crazy high or anything, but you know, could he be another, you know, role playing wing? I mean, teams are always looking for that. Yeah. Uh, you know, JRE, you know, we'll, we'll see again. I mean, he's 21, Baisley's 21, man's 20. Um, the, the two guys I think that you really have to worry about are Poku and Maladon. Yeah, um, sure. You know, Poku has really fallen out of the mix. I mean, the idea was that you were working with Raw Clay here. Let's put him in games, get him reps, see if he improves and whatever. The problem this year is that he hasn't gotten any better. Like, even his, like even his G League games have been kind of, like, a little disastrous. Yeah. Um, and then Maladon really surprised me because... I saw him overseas, and I thought he could be like a halfway decent NBA player. Um, I want to say I had him like 20th on my board. Um, And then he looked like it in preseason last year, if you remember. Yeah. And then the game started, and like, whoa, (laughs) like what happened here? Um, And it just just hasn't gotten any better. And I think, you know, I think those two guys are – even on a young rebuilding team or like kind of on the outside looking in right now. So, yep. and if, and if you can't get, if you can't get minutes on this team, you can't get minutes. Um, yep, exactly. So I think that's a little concerning. Um, and then, uh, you know, I didn't really talk about Baisley who's kind of, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if he's ever going to be good enough offensively. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess would be the biggest concern there. Yeah. I, I agree. He's too inconsistent. He'll have games, and it really he needs to understand who he is in the NBA at the end of the day. Like, he's just got to take easy shots, and he tries to do some offensive creation stuff that he just can't do. Thoughts on Josh Giddy's season? Uh, I would say pretty encouraging given his age and coming from a league where the, the competition level, especially in terms of the athleticism, just isn't anywhere near the NBA. 
so major step up in in quality of competition, and he's dealt with it. I mean, he's you know he is an NBA caliber playmaker without a doubt. Now yeah. he can't shoot a lick right now, and that's the thing that has to change for him to have real plus value as an offensive player. But he rebounds. He's you know he's he's pretty upright, and he looks like he'd just be totally cookable defensively. He's not great, but he's not toast either. Like yep. he's he's been halfway decent there. And you know, I give uh, Mark Dagnall uh, credit. Is, is that even how you say it? Yeah, Dagnault. Yeah, you're right. Dagnault. Okay. Yeah. All right. What, what I try to do is just kind of mumble the second <laughs> syllable and just kind of. <laughs> well, the Thunder broadcast doesn't even know how to say. It. They call him Mark Diagonal all the time. So. <laughs> Diagonal. <laughs> I give him credit for this team being 14th in defense because yeah. there's there's no logical reason for them to rank <laughs> that highly on the on the defensive end with with the youth and and what's what's there. Uh, so give, give him credit for that. And I, I think you know. I mean, Giddy to me has like he he hasn't been a liability on that end to me. Sure. Like he, he's probably never going to be great on that end, but I I don't think he's like some glaring negative either. And this is with him at at nineteen. Um, I think as he fills out, he'll probably be able to play more four too, and then he can create more more problems. I think at the other end uh, with his you know with his ball handling and off the dribble game and whatnot and. You're you're hoping the shot comes around like like with everyone. Yeah, and then with Shea, what are your thoughts on like what his ceiling can be as far as when the Thunder are competitive? Like, what does his role look like in your mind? So he's probably the second best player on an on a on a really good team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if he's if he's your best player, yeah. Uh, you re- you need a really strong supporting cast, I think, to be to sure. be really good. Um, you know, I th- I think his can he play in all multiple All Star games? Definitely. Can he be a top ten player in the league? I I don't really see that. I guess mm-hmm. um, I don't think he's quite you know athletic enough, bursty enough, or whatever uh, to to really get to that uh, point. We're seeing him strain, I think, under the load. Um, of having to be the team's entire offense or 90% of it. And uh, so getting, getting more shot creation help there and, and more shooting, I, th- I think would make a big difference. I mean, you look, I mean, the two, the two forwards both shoot 26%, <laughs> you know, the, uh, the, uh, you know, the, sh- the shooting guard who's taking all the threes is shooting 32. Yeah. Uh, you know, Shea's shooting 28. I, I don't think he's a, he's that bad a shooter. I just think he has to take a lot of, uh, a lot of hand grenades, a lot of off the dribble. And again, his shooting motion is like, he, he kind of is better with time and space to me. I mean, it's a low motion. And um, so when, when he had, when he has to heave, I mean, sometimes I guess like he made that shot against at the end of the New Orleans game before Devonte Graham made his night, you know, yeah. 90 foot or whatever. Yeah. But for the most part, like they, forcing him into those kind of shots is really going to be a drag on his percentages. And I think we're seeing that this year. Mm-hmm. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, you mentioned the shooting guard that takes all the threes, Lou Dort. Uh, the Thunder are kind of in an interesting place with him. He will be extension eligible in March and then could become a restricted free agent this summer if they chose that for him i'm just curious what you think a reasonable contract for him would be and if and if maybe maybe they determine that he's not a good fit with this team because he doesn't seem to be the best fit with shea and with josh giddy uh what what would his value be as a trade asset uh that's interesting um do other teams do other teams view him as a as a starter right now, like on a good team? I, is that I I wonder that. Um, it's probably I, situational. I, think, I mean, I'm sure that some that, some yeah. teams could probably squeeze him into their starting lineup as like the fifth guy, but I'm sure there's yeah. a lot of teams that couldn't. Yeah, yeah, and it would yeah it would depend on depend on on fit a little bit, um, and. You know, if if they kind of need that brick wall defensive stopper, like I I think he'd be good, like in Brooklyn, yeah, um, where you could just a- ask him to shoot really wide open threes and have him guard the other team's best player, which nobody else there has any interest in doing. <laughs> so, uh, I like I I could see that one now. Brooklyn doesn't have any draft picks to trade until like we're both ninety years old, right. so. Um, <laughs> Sam so likes that, those that, though. Like he likes to get the camera on the road. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> He's scheming his two, 2034 pick yeah. right now. He needs some 2028 he, he, he picks. Might, he might have already promised the guy. <laughs> That's totally possible. Uh, what do you th- what do you think about a contract for him? Because if the Thunder do keep him, I I mean he's he he fits well organizationally. They really yeah. like him. They it's kind of nice that they brought him in as an undrafted guy. He got like a crazy low deal on his second contract. Yeah. Now he's up for, I think he can extend for up to like $12 million a year in March. Yeah. Uh, that feels like a, a deal that makes sense for both, but I don't know if he would want more or would even deserve more. Yeah, I th- that's kind of what I had in my head was like the Dylan Brooks, Josh Richardson special there where, yeah, yeah they go out. They go out the three years now. I I think um, you're right. He's it's weird. He's extension eligible in March because he signed coming off his two way while he was still on the team, right? Yes, yes. Um, before the bubble. But I think they would probably do it in the summer so they could put the extra year on it because mm-hmm. he could extend for two in March, right, and then three uh, in the summer. So I would think they would kick back to the summer and do an extension for three. Um, that 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 to me would seem to make the most sense, and then you have him under contract till he's twenty six. Uh, so, and I think even you know, twelve and under. I mean, I think he's still a trade asset as is if he continues on anything close to this trajectory. So it's not anything they really have to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then honestly, as you you know, as this team develops and they might want to make more deals or whatever. 
you kind of need a few middle class contracts. Like you can't just be like all minimums and and dead money guys. Yeah. So, uh, so I think I think there's a little bit of incentive to do something uh, f- from that perspective too. Yeah, it's kind of funny we compared the Thunder to Boston earlier, and he's like going to get like a Marcus Smart contract, and he's going to be kind of their Marcus Smart guy. It's just kind of weird parallels there between those two teams. Uh, thoughts on maybe a team that could dump a salary on the Thunder at the trade deadline. Are there any teams that you you see as being desperate that may want to get rid of a deal and give a pick to the Thunder? Um, I can see a lot of teams that would want to do cash. I'm trying to think who would want to do it. But like Portland and Boston are going to get under the tax, right? Yeah. But they're they're close enough that they could probably do it just by like offloading cash and a minimum guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I, I think... Sam is fishing probably for something more than that with his, uh, with, with all this space he has and he should, I mean, he's so far below the floor that he, he should be trying to take something bigger. Um, Philadelphia, you know, obviously they're depending on what happens with Simmons and, and their contracts, like they could do a Simmons deal where they get multiple players back and one of them is offloaded to Oklahoma city along with a pick. Like I could definitely see something like that happening Mm -hmm. Uh, or um, you know, there's a couple other teams that I think might end up in a similar position where if they do a trade, like they can't even roster the guys they get um, and they don't necessarily want them. So it's just like, here, Sam, you take them, you know? And, uh, um, and, and they drop, uh, and they drop cash on them that way. Um, the, I could definitely see the Clippers, uh, doing something with Serge Ibaka, yeah. um, or Eric Bledsoe. They don't have many draft picks to trade is, is the problem. The Thunder um, have all of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Thunder already have them. So it's like, oh, <laughs> what are we going to do here? Um, Similar situation, I think that the Lakers aren't as deep into the tax and they don't really have as much uh, spare money lying around, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Go- Golden State, obviously, and Brooklyn are way into the tax, yeah. um, but who are, who are their true dead money guys? Like Golden right. State is, is so far deep because they're playing paying four guys an insane amount and they're paying James Wiseman 10 million. Well, those, those four guys aren't getting moved by golden state. Mm-hmm. And most of the rest of their team is actually cheap guys. Uh, Brooklyn, it's a little similar where they're, where they're so top heavy with their payroll. It's like, who are the, who are they really paying Oklahoma city to take again? Like we're dealing with, with minimum guys. So the market probably isn't set up super favorably for the thunder to take on, a bunch of money, unless we're talking about money that goes into next year. Sure. Uh, which next year's money gets a little trickier for the Thunder yeah, because they, you know, their own cap number jumps up twenty million or whatever. They're hoping to have high draft picks who have uh, high cap holds as well. Yep. Like the luxury tax could get in play pretty quickly next year, as as odd as it sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on you know if they took on another contract at this trade deadline. So that that gets a little weird too, um, and then the other thing for the Thunder is that it's um, it's almost free money right now if they take a contract in because they have to pay this money to the players anyway. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so I could see them maybe get into the game 
late if they don't have anything else to take on some of these minimums from from Boston or Portland or whatever, just because it's still it's, it still doesn't really uh, it, do do anything to them to to do that. So uh, they they'd have to cut somebody, obviously. But I, I think this roster doesn't lack for candidates. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's probably true. Uh, I want to take it back to your Grizzlies days. Uh, did you have much sure. interaction with the Thunder? Um, it, with yes, like, yeah. although so for most of that time period, we were both good, which yeah. made us not natural trade partners. Sure. So there'd be like perfunctory trade calls, but not a lot got accomplished. Um, to, toward the end, when we started moving toward a more rebuilding posture, uh, there was there was a little more action. Um, uh, you know, it was funny because like Winger was the guy I ended up talking to mostly who's obviously not there anymore. Mm-hmm. So, um, but the, the perspective, the, the, uh, kind of picture I had of the organization as a whole, uh, was that they were, uh, I guess really methodical. Yeah. Um, and, uh, really, uh, really t- tried to gather, uh, gather as much information as they could, which every team does that to an extent, but I thought, Oklahoma City was maybe a little more systematic um, and a little earlier with it than than some other teams. Yeah. Um, but didn't really get a great perspective on how they were as far as engineering trade. I guess we did the one trade with them where they were like a third party almost. We did the Courtney Lee trade was like as this side note to it, we effectively sold a draft pick to Oklahoma City. Yeah. Um and Ryan Gomes was involved somehow. I don't even remember how. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Ryan Gomes went to OKC. <laughs> but, yeah, I remember that. Yep. Um, but that, that that that's about it. Yeah. And then was there like a perception of them besides like being methodical, like around the league when it came to dealing with them? I'm I'm trying to think. Not especially like it was. Um, it felt a little hard to get information about like what what they were really looking for, which, um, which is kind of how San Antonio operated too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are two perspectives on that because like when we, like when we would deal with, uh, the Rockets, for instance, they'd always let you know what they were trying to do mm-hmm. because they felt like maybe this team can help us do that. Um, and, and has something on the table that they can see that we can't see. Cause we're not talking to this third team about this particular trade. Um, so, and I, I always felt that way too, that like giving teams some idea of what we were, what we were up to or what we were looking for, uh, was the only way to help move the conversation along. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I guess differing perspectives, uh, on that one. Sure. Sure. Uh, John, thanks so much for your time, man. Uh, be sure to go read John on The Athletic. Go listen to the Hollinger and Duncan podcast, one of the smartest podcasts out there. John, we appreciate it, man. All right. Thanks for having me on the show.